Welcome, guys, to the 13th floor. Bing! See? I told you I was going to do it. podcast where we talk about all things strange. And you guys, it's been it's been just a couple of days since we recorded our last episode. We're kind of catching up, but uh, James, is there anything new and exciting in your life? Have any of your spiders given birth? Uh, no, they're all just babies right now. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I know you had that female house spider. Yeah. That you discussed yeah, she's, previously. She's not laid any eggs yet, but I think she probably will eventually. <laughs> Nothing more exciting than spider babies. That's yeah. right. Um, Alex, what about you? No. I, I, you know, <laughs> we, we harvested some garlic last time. We talked about that in the, our... I know, but this time we harvested onions. Oh, yeah, we found some onions in our yard now. <laughs> and they're not just like wild onions. They're like, they were like with the garlic. Yeah, so someone just like swung by our house and just decided to plant some some strange things you know that does happen gorilla gardening (laughs) no i'm not kidding (laughs) that's a thing we we got got hit hard yeah we got hit hard (laughs) because we're just like constantly pulling things out like oh i can eat this it's a really (laughs) yeah it's very convenient um so james are you admitting to us that you are a gorilla gardener do you just go and drop apple seeds in people's yards and wait for this (laughs) <laughs> I haven't actually done it, but I have actually thought about it a lot. I think it would be really fun to do. Yeah. Maybe that's where it came from. It was James. Yeah. It was James. James Literally. is the one who planted the garlic and onion in our yard. Okay. Um, listeners, today we are talking about Jack the Ripper. I forgot what we were talking uh, about for a second. Yeah. Jack the Ripper. But before that. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we, have our, we have our icebreaker. I forgot. What's our icebreaker? Okay. So, (laughs) what is the worst haircut experience you've ever had? Oh, I can tell. Mine was recent. I can tell you. Yours was recent. Yeah, mine was. Oh, no, no. I've had some some really bad haircuts in the past. But, James, the little grunt that we just heard from you makes me think that you've had some bad haircuts. Yeah, one stands out, though. One is very memorable. Yeah, I went to a barber on one occasion, and... uh, you know, it's it's frightening. I don't know what hoops you have to go through to become a barber, but this place was, was apparently under the board. I went to a barber shop, and <laughs> I asked for the woman to bring my sideburns to the top of my ears, which is a common request that I have, and to give me a fade uh, with about an inch and a half on top. I, it's amazing. I remember all the details that I asked for because I was so traumatized. Because she, she then says, all right, got it, Suge. And immediately proceeds to take a clipper with no guard on it and go from the bottom of the sideburn, which, you know, that would have been fine if she'd stopped at the top of the ears, all the way up to the very tip top of my head, giving me a high and tight immediately. And I I was like, what are you doing? And she, I said, I just wanted the sideburns brought to the top of my ears. No, either she is this dumb or... Or she's this bad at lying and trying to cover up. Like, you know, it, this is like one of those things. Like, it's like, oh, I'm not allowed in the bank vault. Like this kind. Of, she points to the top of my head, the, to the top of my head, and she goes, "Shug, these are sideburns." Like, apparently, all the, all the hair is sideburns. So when I said to the top of my ears, I just meant shave me. Yeah. Oh my, oh my gosh, That's man, amazing. I was pissed. Yeah. 
How how long did it take you to recover from that? Uh, not long since, thankfully, I usually have sh- short hair anyway. But, I mean, yeah. to go from a fade to – I mean, I literally went from a fade to Bobby Hill in like three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was pretty pissed off. Oh, goodness. Well, I'm sorry that happened to you. Well, thank you. Mine, uh, I have two incidents that come to mind. The first one in eighth grade, everybody was getting their hair highlighted. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I want to fit in with all the people that I go to school with. So I want to get my hair Mm -hmm. highlighted too, which is where I went wrong in the first place. I shouldn't have tried to impress anybody. But Mm. that being said, I was like, I'm going blonde. And okay. uh, Sorry. Yeah, no. I didn't go. I just had blonde highlights because that what was in in at the time. And... So she gave me blonde highlights. It looked great for about a day. And then all of my hair that had been highlighted fell out. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, it was, ter- it was terrible. I, and as it grew back, I looked kind of like, um, you know, the, the Cynthia doll from Rugrats. How they, she has little bits of hair. Yeah, that's like how the hair grew back. It just stuck straight up. And I looked. Wow. It took me about three years to grow, come back from that. <laughs> Just because I had to wait for my hair to grow out longer and then, like, get it cut. So, yeah, that was probably the worst incident. I had an incident recently where I went to go get my hair done, but I guess it wasn't that traumatizing. She just didn't style it properly, and I looked like I'd rolled out of bed. And I was very angry because I spent $90 on the haircut, and it looked like I rolled out of bed. So, needless to say, I will not be going there again. All right. What about you, Alex? I I know Alex has gone through... Some serious hair changes over the years. I have. And so I saw I had a buzz cut all the way up until I guess it was high school. No. I cannot imagine that. I know. Yeah. I had a buzz cut all the way up until eighth grade. And then that summer before I finally grew my hair out. But this but back about sixth grade, I was getting a haircut. Now, I swear that my mom did this to me. (laughs) But she says she tells me it was master cuts. Which isn't that hard to believe. Because <laughs> I'm getting a buzz cut. And they're using uh, scissors around my ear for some reason. And they cut the top of my ear off. <laughs> I, I've heard this story before. Just cut cut the very top of my ear off. Yeah, that's not a bad haircut so much as it's just a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, for a while there, I had like a little elf ear. <laughs> No, you looked like one of those stray cats where they <laughs> oh, man. they yeah. fix it and then clip a little bit, bit of his yeah. ear off to say this cat's fixed. Yeah, luckily it was like on the top, like back part. It wasn't like the little like curled over part on the top, so I didn't look like hideously disfigured. Just if anyone was looking at me while I was sitting down, uh, it was odd looking. <laughs> it was oddly man. flat on the top of my ear. And you like. I love you, Alex, but you had really big ears when you were little. I still have big ears. My hair just covers it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you stopped doing the buzz. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was that was a good story, listeners. If you guys have ever had any bad haircuts, <laughs> I, I like. I mean, I don't want you to have bad haircut, but I love hearing bad haircut stories. So please send them to us. Thirteenth floor podcast at gmail.com. Also, I wish I wish we could post that picture of Nate. <laughs> 
<laughs> we have a friend who went through an emo phase. and <laughs> No. He, oh, my gosh. Now I have to see that. Yeah, oh we'll show God. it to you, James. We'll show it to you. But yeah. we'll, we'll spare Nate and not, not yeah, put it anywhere yeah, no, else. We won't do that. We, we not that Nate's would. ever going to listen to this or see it. But if mm. you all do have stories, we'd love to do just a hair episode. Yeah, we should just do a hair conspir- <laughs> conspiracy episode. Okay. <laughs> All right, so should we should we hop on into the reason we're all here today, Jack the Ripper? Absolutely, yeah, let's yep. do it. Okay, I'm just gonna start by saying how upsetting this topic made me. Wait a minute, before <laughs> we start, before you get too upset, I want to say, do you know why I picked the haircut thing? Because Jack huh. the Ripper was because one of the suspects was a barber. Ah, okay. Oh, <laughs> it's a Sweeney Todd type thing. Maybe that's okay. what I was thinking. I was like Sweeney Todd. Well, I'll I'll be honest. Like researching for this brought up Sweeney Todd to the mind quite a bit. But my main sources were History.com, AllThat'sInteresting.com, Psychology Today, JackTheRipper.org, and then some information from Wikipedia. Okay, like supplemental. Yeah, supplemental. All right. <laughs> so today I am covering. Just the general history of Jack the Ripper, just about what happened, really. And you guys, I'm going to try and condense it because a lot happened. So if you've never heard of Jack the Ripper, you've probably been living under a rock or you just lived a really sheltered life. Um, I don't know, but I'm not going to judge. So Jack the Ripper was a vicious serial killer who terrorized the town of London in 1888. Specifically poor areas around the Whitechapel District, which is on the city's east end. So this area in London at the time had a, a very high population of Irish immigrants, as well as Jewish refugees from Russia and other parts of Eastern Europe. It was overcrowded, robbery, violence, and alcoholism was all commonplace, as was prostitution. And Jack the Ripper had a very specific demographic, sex workers. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time of the murders, I do want to mention that sex work was technically illegal. It was only considered illegal if it caused a public disturbance. So, hmm. but the injury or death of a sex worker was rarely reported or spoken about because it wasn't polite. And the mindset at the time was you work a dangerous occupation, which is just really sad. Hmm. So the Whitechapel area circa 1888 was Jack the Ripper's, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, ground. Hunting ground? Uh, hunting ground. Grounds. Hunting ground. That's it. It was his hunting ground. So Jack was particularly gruesome, which isn't too difficult to imagine considering his nicknames. Do you guys know his nicknames? A couple. Yeah. No, I don't actually. He was known at, also known as the Whitechapel Butcher. Yeah. And Leather Apron, which I think is the creepiest nickname I've ever heard. Leather Apron? Why was he called yeah. Leather Apron? That's what a butcher wears. It's, yeah, it's what uh, a butcher wears. Okay. But due to the way he murdered, he's believed to have likely had some knowledge of human anatomy or perhaps worked as a butcher. So he mutilated a lot of his victims. He, he'd start off – well, I don't know if he'd start off because there's a lot of right. yeah, question around everything that happened in this case. But uh, almost all the victims had their throats cut and then they were mutilated in some way. Some of them had internal organs – removed. It was just very, very gruesome and not pleasant to read about. Yeah. Yeah. There were at least five victims that police are almost certain were murdered by Jack the Ripper, although there's still a lot of question about that as well. But I'm going to name the five that are most commonly known as Jack the Ripper victims. So the first one was a woman named Marianne Nichols killed on August 31st, 1888. 
Second victim, Annie Chapman, killed on September 8th, 1888. Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Edows. Do you know if that's how you say it, James? Uh, I think that's right. I yeah. think it's Edows as well. They they were both killed on September 30th, 1888. So, uh, and I also want to note that Catherine Edows was not actually a sex worker, according to a website that I, I got some information on. Um, but she was an alcoholic, which it seems to me as though all of Jack the Ripper's uh, victims were alcoholics. Hmm. And the article that I read about the victims was on a website called allthatsinteresting.com, and it gives background of the lives of all of Jack the Ripper's victims. And I do recommend giving it a read because it's a good reminder that these people were people, and they had lives. They were tough lives um, that ended in a really unnecessarily tragic way. So the article, it was written by um, somebody named Elizabeth Sherman, and it, it gives some good information about all these people. So Stride and Adows were both killed on the same night. And Stride's throat was slit, just like the previous Ripper victims, but there weren't any mutilations. So people believe that it's possible that the murderer may have been interrupted mid-act. And then he moved on to Adows later in the evening, um, who was in really bad shape when she was found. And mm. the last was Mary Kelly. And she was... Oof. I hate to say it, but she was she was butchered. Like, Ooh, and one thing that really upset me, yeah, one thing that really upset me was that I didn't like. I thought that everything from this case was just like drawn crime scene photos. Like, oh, yeah, no, that's yeah. not the case. I didn't realize everything was photographed. Yeah, it was oh. photographed. And while searching, you know, for information on this, I those pictures just naturally come up, and it's very disturbing, and it made me very upset. Oof. You guys, yeah. my day was ruined when I saw those pictures. Yeah, the, the, that last one especially. I mean, the dowels is pretty bad, but that one's... Oh. They're all bad. Just don't look them up. Please do me a favor. Do not look them up. I know some of you looked up that dog video from the Russian zombies. Amy, mm. don't, don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, so, so those five victims, um, those are five victims that most, not all, but most attribute to Jack the Ripper due to similarities between the cases. However, as we all know, he's never been caught, so it's difficult to say with certainty whether all of them were his victims. And there were also several other murders in the Whitechapel district that some think could have been Jack, but there were big differences between the murders, so it's all very unclear. Everything is very unclear. But I do want to just briefly mention the deaths of Emma Smith and Martha Tabram. They were killed earlier in the year in 1888 and aren't technically considered Jack the Ripper victims, but they were killed near where all the other victims were found. So yeah, almost every Jack the Ripper site that I've visited mentions them, but I don't think that they're considered to be Jack the Ripper victims. It's it's so sad how commonplace mistreatment of sex workers was during this time anyway. So that's part of why that body count was able to stack up. I mean, all this happened in like a month. It's weird to think about. Like, this was a lot of killings in a 34-day period. And and a lot of it is because Whitechapel, it was just sort of, it was sort of the international district. It was where all the Polish and German Jews congregated. It was where a lot of other immigrants from around the world congregated. And so people just didn't care about it. It was, it was just neglected to that degree that something that horrifying was just sort of overlooked in a lot of ways. Yeah, and one thing that really just baffled me was that police weren't able to catch this guy. And he, he operated 
under such a short time frame. Although, yeah. although there were other people who were murdered in the white in the Whitechapel district around the time that people like I don't know if it was just a copycat. There were big differences between what Jack the Ripper mm. did and the way some of these other women were killed. So I think that there were 11 total murders in something called the Whitechapel files, which kind of outlined mm. all of these kind of high profile deaths that occurred at the time, but they the other ones haven't formally been attributed to good old leather apron. Mm-hmm. So Phew. yeah, Jack, uh, Jack the Ripper was kind of considered one of the world's first celebrity serial killers hmm. because his acts just caused a huge media stir. It didn't happen at the very beginning, but at like, I think like after the second or third murder, people were like, what, what the heck is going on? So, and he kind of coined his own nickname. Did you guys know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, he's believed to have sent letters to the media and police and the Whitechapel, um, I guess, what's the word for it? The Neighborhood Watch. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah and- In some ways, he's like the first, I mean, like all of this, it's like a supervillain or, or at the very least, like the prototype for serial killers to come. Mm-hmm. It's just bizarre. Yeah, and I think he was one of the first criminals that was really like profiled, but mm, yeah. yeah. He uh, Didn't he write the top of his thing from hell? Uh, yeah, he, well, that was one of the letters that was sent to police and there were several that were sent to police and they don't know if all of them were real or, you know, just a hoax, but one sent just a few days, I think it was after the Adao's murder. No, it was before the Adao's murder. It's believed to be a hoax, but in the letter he mentioned that he was going to quote, clip the lady's ears off end quote. And then just a few days later when Adao's was murdered, one of her ears was nicked which could have just been a coincidence, but p- that people were kind of like, oh, what's going on? So that caused a big stir, and a co- it, Wikipedia said that that letter was signed Jack the Ripper, but the most cr- the craziest Jack the Ripper letter was actually sent to the Whitechapel Neighborhood Watch group, some guy named George Lesk, and that letter came with a little something extra, a kidney. And Adow's yeah. was also missing a kidney, so that caused a big... A big uproar. And I think that uh, a doctor was able to say with certainty, this is a human kidney. So, mm-hmm. and I think that's the letter that inspired from, from hell graphic novels. Oh, okay. Yeah. Written by Alan Moore. So why don't we know his identity, you guys? Because I did. Good question. <laughs> well, some say it's lack of evidence, mountains of misinformation. Cause you know, when the media starts reporting on things and they, you know, they're just reporting on everything it's easy for yeah. misinformation to kind of get carried Hashtag away. Fake news. Yeah. Uh, rumors. So uh, lots of false testimony and tight regulations by Scotland Yard. Mm. And uh, do you guys know about Trevor Marriott? Mm-mm. No. Okay. So I'll just mention this because I don't want to kind of step on your guys' topics, but there's a guy named Trevor Marriott no and he's a detective, British detective. And in 2011, he was denied access to uncensored documents surrounding Jack the Ripper's case. And according to an ABC News article, he was denied access to the files because they included protected information about police informants and that handing over the documents could impede on future testimony by modern-day informants. What? What? His murder for over 100 years ago. Yeah. So I guess I guess they think that, oh, if we release these documents with this uh, informant testimony... From the 1800s, maybe modern day informants would be like, well, maybe in over 100 years, they're going to hand my testimony over to somebody. 
please. So that kind of blew my mind. It That's was ridiculous. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you guys, the murder's name and motive are still unknown. Over 100 suspects have been named over the years, but they're just names. So, mm. James, I'm, I want to kind of hand the torch off to you because I know that you're going to be talking about Sounds some of the high-profile suspects. So, James. Uh, yeah, I'm covering the uh, high-profile uh, accusations. I've got a few. Some of them are very sensible. Some of them are not. <laughs> some of them are really outlandish, and I, I think I'll save the most outlandish for last. First and foremost, one of the accusations that kind of makes sense is um, Walter Sickert. Walter Sickert was a painter, uh, kind of an impressionist style, not really my taste, really, really dark too, not like uh, Monet, but uh, he was accused, especially by, and this name is going to get thrown around again, Stephen Knight claimed that Sickert was an accomplice in the Ripper case, uh, and, and he has uh, mountains of evidence. Stephen Knight wrote a lot about Jack the Ripper. Uh, made a lot of money off of writing about Jack the Ripper, but it kind of falls through for the most part. He he was a Freemason, so that that much is true, and that that's a huge part of it of the story. You know, you see that in From Hell, for example. Uh, and and Pamela Patricia Cornwell, rather, uh, she she also claimed that Sickert was the killer to such a point she claimed that he had. Uh, kind of a hole in his wiener and that made him angry at women what? and that was the logic and, and granted yeah right uh, like a congenital problem um granted granted um it does seem that jack the ripper definitely was misogynist and that he had a, some serious psychological hang-ups about women I would say so but that's not really the best argument for it and uh, dna's pretty much exonerated him so it was really more or less just a few writers trying to make a buck by accusing a high-profile person, uh, and that's a lot of that. And who's the Patricia girl you mentioned? Yeah, who, who's Patricia Carmel? Uh, she wrote a book called. Let me look that up real quick. Oh, so she's Take a writer. Note. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, she claimed in Portrait of a Killer, Jack the Ripper, case closed, Oof. that he was uh, that he was the killer, and t some people actually say that she destroyed. One of uh, his paintings trying to get evidence. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, like, what the heck? In addition, we've also got David Cohen. And David Cohen has a little bit of a connection to who you'll be talking about later, Alex, but I won't, I won't overlap the story. David Cohen was a mentally ill Jewish fellow. Uh, again, lots of people in uh, Whitechapel were. Uh, Jewish, not mentally ill. Yes, but... He was accused of being leather apron, and he uh, he was he was really out of his mind. He had to be restrained a lot. He was violently antisocial, uh, really really difficult to understand. <laughs> and a bootmaker in the neighborhood accused him of being leather apron. He was arrested, but it kind of came out like, wait a minute, we're getting mocked by letters from this guy. And David Cohen, he only speaks Yiddish, <laughs> so he's not exactly going to be mocking the cops with letters anytime soon. Yeah. Um, so that gets rid of him as a possibility. Now, now let's let's look at more outlandish suggestions. Um, Prince Albert. Yeah. That blows my mind. Yeah. Right. That that one's a little bit out there. And and by the way, before I, I get anybody confused, I do not mean Prince Albert, Victoria's husband, Prince Albert Victor. 
who's uh, Victoria and Albert's uh, son. And yeah, that one's really kind of a bizarre idea. Um, the logic there is Prince Albert was, in addition to, you know, being the inspiration for a certain, well, actually his father was the inspiration for the piercing and, and the, he was the inspiration for the prank phone call and the tobacco. But in addition to that, what? he was, uh, yeah, you know, the tobacco, Prince Albert. I don't know what you're talking I don't about. Know, I don't know the prank phone call either. You know, do you have Prince Albert in a can? And they say, yeah, because a lot of people had it back then. And they say, well, you better let him out. And then you hang up. I can't believe you get him out. That's right up there with his refrigerator running. That's that. Um, no. <laughs> okay. I, bu- well, that, I believe. Okay, yeah. fine. <laughs> well, there were a lot of accusations with Albert that he was a bit of a libertine, a bit of a ne'er-do-well. And he, he took part in a lot of at the time, illegal homosexual behavior at a brothel that was closed down by the police, uh, things like that. So part of these rumors also include, and this is more likely gossip, but uh, that he uh, got uh, syphilis from a prostitute and outraged by the fact that, again, this was like an incurable, horrible disease at the time that drove you crazy and made your nose rot off and all sorts of stuff and killed you eventually, that he went on a revenge spree. Another theory is actually that he was killing enemies of the royal family to maintain power. Who made these claims? Stephen Knight again. <laughs> the same guy who, who originally implicated the artist. Uh, according to Stephen Knight, it was actually like Albert Victor and the painter uh, working together, which again has completely been debunked. It's absolute nonsense. It's just a way to make a quick buck if you ask me. Uh, also, kind of outlandish, but actually much more believable, was uh, Karl Feigenbaum, who was a German sailor. Now, here's where things get interesting. This is something that occurred to me even while we were talking. You know, Jack the Ripper was active for a month. He killed five women in a month, and then he just vanishes. That's really weird. That doesn't. That's not how most serial killers operate. Yeah. They, they're usually addicted to killing. Usually a serial killer kills like couple of people a year and you know sometimes if the heat gets turned on they go quiet and then they they start killing again because it's compulsion it's something that they really 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 want i mean obviously it's it's not something that you would uh do if you couldn't help it in a manner of speaking you know it's not one of those things that people would do because it's very risky Hmm. well there's a fella named carl feigenbaum and he was in london at the time and then he sailed to new york and in New York, a couple years, there were some murders that actually match up very similar to um, Jack the Ripper's M.O. Really? So, yeah. And it kind of makes sense when you think about it. Here's a guy who's constantly traveling. So it's not like they're going to have like a lot of mountains of evidence of, you know, well, he lives here. He does this. This is his schedule. No, he's on a boat a lot of the time. And then he, he docks in town. He stays there a little while. And then he set sail again right Mm -hmm. so it would be ideal i mean you know you hear about there's kind of an urban legend that you know serial killers are often vagrants or truck drivers or anything that requires kind of being uprooted a lot well this guy was a fisherman he was all over the place um yeah the the woman in question particular the most famous example of a non-ripper murder in that matches dmo is uh juliana hoffman and that was in 1894 in new york city so that was six years after Whitechapel. So that that's kind of 
a reasonable possibility. And there's a lot of maritime records of him going to places and murders happening. That being said, it's not necessarily the case. I think there's, Alex, you'll probably cover something much more believable. Um, but let's jump into the most bizarre, because that's really what I was looking forward to talking about. <laughs> and that is, have either of you ever heard of Spring-Heeled Jack? No. Okay. I'm actually a little surprised that you haven't heard of Spring-Heeled Jack, Alex. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Things are going to get weird. First of all, Spring-Heeled Jack has been around a long time. Um, long before Jack the Ripper, actually. Uh, like 1830s-ish. And what happened is in Gin Alley, people would be walking down the street, generally speaking, women, and some fellow would just appear. Like the earliest case, I think, yeah, it was Lucy Scales. 1838, she's walking through the Limehouse District, and a black figure leaps out of the shadows, spits blue fire at her like doll seam from Street Fighter, <laughs> leaps on, yeah, yeah, leaps onto a rooftop, all the way onto a rooftop, and then disappears. Now, you can imagine, she's 18, She's in like Gin Alley, basically. It was not really taken very seriously. Yeah. But then more sightings started happening, mostly with women. Uh, they said that he had claws and orange eyes. And, you know, again, he spits fire, a cloak made of oil skin, hands as cold as ice, and uh, a filigree W on his costume in gold. Like all these weird things. And these stories, he would, he would appear out of nowhere, spit fire or attack a woman, and then vanish. And that's really insane. Mm -hmm. yeah. But there were a lot of sightings. Again, there were a lot of sightings and they were mostly women. And whenever they were women, they were attacked. So that's a little peculiar. And this includes in the areas around Whitechapel, women being attacked by a strange figure. Kind of goes hand in hand with uh, Jack the Ripper's MO, right? Mm -hmm. Except, you know, Jack the Ripper, logically speaking, didn't breathe fire. Um one really messed up example of this, this is when things got really, really intense, is in uh, 1845, a 13-year-old sex worker, yes, you heard right, named Maria Davies, she was uh, walking down a dark alleyway, and uh, according to a witness, this is where things get suspicious, like I said, a lot of sex workers got murdered, maybe this was just a, an excuse by someone, but presumably, he pops out of the shadows, breathes fire onto her, Freeze, throws her in a ditch, and she drowns. Aww. So now he's actually got a murder under his belt. Right, exactly. So people are freaked out. Uh, they start calling him this cursed man. That, and this is where things get neat. This is why I'm surprised that you haven't heard of this, Alex. They start writing plays about this guy. They start making penny dreadfuls about this guy, little cheap novels. All these, these working class boys are reading these stories about Spring-Heeled Jack. And... It's really, in many respects, it's it's both the first superhero and the first uh, supervillain. Supervillain. Uh, this is a guy with, yeah. Well, this he was the inspiration in many respects, presumably, for a bunch of progenitors who became Batman. And it makes sense. Like if you just look up Spring Hill Jack, he's got a real Batman-like quality to him. And there's been sightings of Spring Hill Jack in not only all over England for like the past few centuries, but He's actually been spotted in uh, New York, Dallas in 1976, 
by several people. Well, a dozen people claim they saw him jump over a football field. This was in Dallas, mind you. Uh, it's just, it's really bizarre. But some people think that, you know, Jack the Ripper was basically this immortal, fire-breathing, roof-jumping monster man huh. who may or may not be from outer space. I mean, let's face facts. It, it, you can't say anything about him and make it too weird. But yeah, Spring Hill Jack, what shocks me the most is there's no movie or, or comic book about this guy because what the heck? He's like a supervillain. Uh, but yeah, uh, I've got a, a one more case study, but I think, Alex, this is going to be all on you. So you go for it. We were actually looking up pictures of uh, Spring Hill Jack, and he does look a lot like Batman, by the way. Ah, yeah. Very impressive. But uh, my stuff is actually more, most of it's more modern day. I am going to touch a little more back in the past. But I'm actually going to talk about the current investigations of who Jack the Ripper was. And it turns out that just a couple months ago, a major research was done that definitely revealed who the killer was. At least that's what Dr. Jerry Luhut. Oh my gosh. I've practiced this earlier trying to get it down before the podcast. <laughs> Jerry Luhulainen. <laughs> yeah, it's. Jerry Luhulainen. It's a name. Luhulainen. <laughs> the next one's easier, though. <laughs> and Dr. David Miller claimed to have discovered. It's been generally accepted that there's like this shawl that's been left over at the uh, Catherine Doe's murder. She's the fourth victim of Jack the Ripper. Yeah. And there's a shawl that has blood and semen on it. And mm-hmm. a lot of people believe that that's that if that was tested, it could prove who Jack the Ripper was. So Lou Halen, Nin, oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Lou Halen and, and Miller go on to say, in a, in a quote, they say, In the case presented here, all data collected support the hypothesis that the shawl contains biological matter from Catherine Adal's, and oh. that the mtDNA, that's mitochondrial DNA, is what that means, sequences obtained from semen stains match the sequences that were one of the main police suspects, Aaron Kosminski. Yep. And bum, so, bum, bum. at the time of the murders... A Polish barber by that name, Aaron Kosminski, was a prime suspect, but he went missing before the police could arrest him. Uh, so they tested his DNA, or not his DNA, but they tested the DNA from the shawl against descendants of Adal's and Kosminski's. And they found that the shawl's mtDNA matched both of them, saying that the DNA came from both individuals. Not not saying mm. like that the, the, bl- the blood could have. Like so, like the so the blood is Adal's and the semen yeah. is yeah. Kosminski. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean well, to implicate. I was going to say it couldn't the be the other person. way around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, <laughs> that would have been a plot twist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so that seems pretty cool, and right, like oh man, they actually figured it out. Yeah, but, <laughs> but... So, there's a pretty big hiccup. And it turns out that this study has come under some serious fire by some other scientists uh, who claim that this study should never have been published and certainly, in some of their opinions, should not have made it past peer review. The reason for this reaction is that, well... MTDNA has an interesting way of being passed down from ancestors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So, 
typically, and, and this is typically because there are instances of it coming from a man, the man's Wait, really? empty DNA. Yeah. I have never heard of that. Wow. Yeah, there are. They're, they're rare. Very rare. There's a recent study on it a couple of years back. But huh. uh, typically, mtDNA comes from not the man, but the woman. Yeah. So how they could take the mtDNA from this to track Kosminski's ancestors is a pretty oh, big red flag. Oh, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, mm. it's a pretty big red flag. Yeah. Now, maybe it was one of those rare instances, mm. but that's like the several generations of, of rare instances. That's, yeah. that's probably two, three generations of rare instances. So that's kind of a red flag. Um, and then, the, but then when they were asked about why they used empty DNA instead of DNA, as they said, it's because there's this thing called the Data Protection Act that does not allow them to use DNA samples. Because huh. it's considered a uh, invasion of privacy, but mtDNA, but, since it's not the complete uh, genetic sequence, is allowed to be used. How uh, weird! That's a silly loophole. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's why they say that, and they also say that a lot of the detractors say that items like clothing weren't really considered evidence back then, and since they didn't have a way back then to test DNA or anything like that, then everybody was handling it. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. No yeah. one's throwing it in a plastic bag and sending it off to the lab. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's not exactly a shroud of touring. Right. They didn't really have a process back then. I did read that the uh, Adal's husband mm-hmm. kept some of the kept this piece of evidence, and that's kind of what mm. he never washed her clothes, and that's why. Uh-huh. So now it sounds like this study has been completely debunked, but. Maybe the study hasn't pointed out the wrong person. So, police back then were very suspicious of Kosminski. Like I said, he evaded their arrest not too long before they were going to pursue at least interrogating him. But he went into an asylum back in 1891 before the murders for attacking his sister with a knife. So he had violent tendencies. He had violent tendencies. And not only that, many people believe, looking back, that Kosminski was a paranoid schizophrenic. Yeah. Uh, And then in the mid-1890s, you know, around the time this Jack Jack the Ripper fellow made an appearance, witnesses saw him attacking one of Jack the Ripper's victims. But suddenly, when it came time to testify, the individual that saw it happen wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And apparently... He was later institutionalized after the, this is long after the uh, Jack the Ripper murders, but he was institutionalized and he died of gangrene in 1919. So he, he this guy was crazy. Life. Yeah, he lived a long life, but he uh, he was crazy so much that he attacked his sister, got locked up for a very long time, and died. Uh, but one last interesting piece of info for the shawl, and it's it's a little. It's a little fuzzy gray area, but it is interesting. Uh, it's not what's on the shawl that is important, according to Dr. Fiaz Ismail. Um, he believes that what the shawl is made of and where it's from is more important. So, oh no, Kosminski was uh, Polish, mm-hmm. and the Polish people did a lot of trade with Russia back then. Sure. So, using nuclear magnetic resonance 
he was able to de- determine the age and origin of the shawl. Hmm. So he re- he found that the age was of the appropriate age. So it was before the murders. Mm-hmm. And he also found that it seems like it came that this fabric was it was too nice for a sex worker, but she wasn't really a sex worker. No, right? she wasn't. So Adele wasn't really a sex worker, but her class of person would not have been carrying around this type of fabric. It was kind of a higher class type of fabric. Mm. And it turns out that this fabric had come from Russia. Well, Kuzminski's from Russia. Or, no, sorry, Kuzminski's oh. from Poland, who mm. did a lot of trade with Russia. So it, it's thought that it's, it's very feasible that while in Poland, he could have gotten this fabric and brought it down uh, to their neck of the woods. The only problem I got with that is, again, Whitechapel was riddled with Polish right. people. Yeah. So it's not that shocking. Right. You know, it'd be like finding uh, finding uh, Pelmeni in, in Michigan. It's like, well, of course there's Pelmeni in Michigan. Everybody and their grandma is Polish in Michigan. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, yeah. So, um, but interesting though, a little note though, uh, Kaminsky, uh, when he was committed, you know, you mentioned yeah. that some people claim due to a clerical error or just plain laziness about spelling that maybe Kaminsky and David Cohen were the same person. And if that's the case, he also only spoke Yiddish, which means no police taunt letters. Bah, bah, bah. Well, that's ah. quite a clerical error. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Well, it was a crazy house, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I hadn't heard that one, but that's uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, they may have not been two different people, which is really weird to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought the, the Shaw evidence of him, like, detecting where it was from. It's a little reaching. It's a little yeah. reachy. Uh, yeah. But it sucks that the mitochondria DNA... Didn't pan out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was really excited for a while. And then, I know. like once you mentioned that, I was like, no. Yeah. I didn't know <laughs> DNA. But he still. I mean, he sounds like a decent suspect. Yeah. There's. And some people even believe it was actually a Jill the Ripper. I've read that too. Ooh. Uh, because so. And, you know, there was a lot of fake letters sent in, but they did. They have done DNA tests on some of the letters on where they licked the envelope and it's come back as a woman's. <gasps> oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like the delayed gasp, James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. So th- there's some they're pretty interesting theories out there, but the, the reality is we probably will never know. Yeah. I don't think we're ever yeah. going to find out. So yeah, I guess that's James. Do you have anything else to add about Jack the Ripper? Uh, I, I briefly like in, in fiction, I'd heard about like a female uh, Jill the Ripper, but uh, I never considered it as possible. But like you guys made me kind of interested, so I looked into it. And uh, some people claim, uh, eyewitnesses, uh, William Stewart, for example, said that he saw a woman named uh, uh, something Maxwell uh-huh. dressed in uh, Kelly's clothes. The, the the one woman, uh, Mary Jane Kelly, Ooh. and yeah, and this was the theory, was the and this is something right? I saw. Yeah, 
this is something I saw in fiction. Now, I don't, again, this all sounds, there's just so many theories and speculation, but some people claim that Jill the Ripper was a midwife who constantly had to abort these sex workers, uh, would be offspring, and that she herself was sterile and it started wearing away on her psychologically, having to do that. And finally, when Jill Kelly and the other four victims came to her for said procedures, she, uh, decided to do a little extra surgery. Well, you know, the, the hmm. second victim, I believe her uterus was removed. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, it's funny, you know, whenever I heard about that originally, I was like, that sounds like some misogynist dude who hates women. Well, it could also be a woman who's barren who hates fertile women. It's hmm. it's an idea. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of the, and I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the person, but Alan Moore's From Hell, he... Actually, did a lot of research before he wrote it, and he wrote what he believed happened with a fictional take. So he, you know, it's a it's a huge graphic novel where he's got characters and all this right. stuff. You can't you have to make characters. So, uh, yeah. it's fictional, but it's also what he the general happenings in it, or what he really does believe happened. And it's essentially that there was yeah. a cover up for the royal family having a baby. Yeah, out of wedlock. Yeah, and so they had. They yeah, actually that's had. Where, that's where night stuff comes in. Yeah, yeah so and night, I don't believe at all. <laughs> yeah, so like this guy went around and killed people who knew about it. Ah, uh, but you know, the world may never know. The world will never well, know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I think that's oh, that's man. Jack the Ripper. Oof. There's, I mean, we could. I. I'm kind of hoping, like. Some more evidence comes out. We can announce Figure it out on that who episode. it is. Yeah. But I really do recommend people read From Hell. I'm only about halfway through it, but it's really, really good. It's really dark, right. though, too. So well, I guess it's that time of episode where we're supposed to pick <laughs> that our... That time of episode. Yeah, okay. time of episode. Sorry, guys. I'm really tired. It's been a long day. We're going to pick right. a topic. We're going to pick a topic. From the expensive vase. If you say that one more time, I will say it every episode until we don't get need to it. say it anymore. All right, what is it? Oh man, Bermuda Triangle. That's one we could probably do a couple episodes about. Bermuda Triangle, submitted to us by <laughs> my brother Anthony, <laughs> who's gotten three episodes. Is that so the far. third one, good yeah, lord, the third one so far. If you have a topic that you want to listen to us talk about, send it to us. DM us on Twitter at 13th Floor Pod or on Instagram at 13th Floor Podcast or just email them to us, 13th Floor Podcast at gmail.com. Also, if you like listening to us talk about these things, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to your podcasts. Yeah, share us with your friends and family. Yeah, let us let, let your let your people know that the 13th floor exists. <laughs> Um, Actually, in most hotels, it doesn't. It's true. James, <laughs> did you have anything you wanted to add before we go? Interestingly, like yes, you guys said that in Japan, where the number four is a homonym with death, they don't have fourth floor. Yeah, yeah, they have thirteenth floors, but they don't have fourth. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Neat stuff. Cultural differences. Are- oh my, what What did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> You're already dead. Oh. It's because of the what's well, the the shin part? You know, it's four and it means dead. Okay, I, 
Oh. You're scaring me, James. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. You okay. don't have to explain. Um, our music is Signal by Grant Cook. You can find him on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify. Wait, iTunes and Apple Music are the same thing. Actually, iTunes, they're getting rid of iTunes. Did you guys hear about that? No. What? Yeah, they're getting rid of iTunes. Thank um, God. Anyways, Amazon Music. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you just jumped right back into it. Yeah, I jumped back into it. <laughs> So, yeah, look up Grant Cook. He's got some good stuff. He's got some great stuff. All right, guys. Until next time. Keep keep it it strange. strange. Keep it strange. All right, got it, Shug.